When we see a major headline or a new economic release, how can we really build a strong prediction as to how investor psychology will interpret that headline and in turn sway the financial markets? How can we really dissect the mainstream news all the way down to the inner workings of the markets? Welcome to Le Chiffre's Inside the Street, where instead of reiterating big headlines and summarizing the state of the markets, we take a much deeper dive into the mechanics and details that drive market behavior and performance. We believe that this podcast truly equips our listeners with a firm understanding of the markets that will allow them to formulate much more educated opinions and predictions. Today's Monday, June 26th, and I'm your host, Robert Nahagian. I'm thrilled to have our head of research, Mickey Finella, on today to sort of walk us through what we mean by taking a deeper dive into the markets. He has one of his economic puzzles that he likes to put together to really think about markets from a different perspective and really understand the investor psychology behind interpreting those major headlines. Mickey, take it away. Yeah, thanks, Rob. So I was looking at all the economic indicators coming out, and I was thinking about the sediment that's brought to color by these indicators. I'm personally a big believer in the ability of psychological behavior or consumer behavior to drive market behavior and performance. And specifically, I mean the ability of consumers to have the behavior to move certain stocks. And that's almost common sense, right? If we're on the brink of a recession, investors pour out of volatility and flood into defensive plays where they back out of the two-year and pour into the 10-year, which causes the inverted yield curve that we've seen. And this is because investors see more risk in the near term, and so the near-term bonds will pay a higher rate to compensate investors who remain there uh, for their risk. But before I can go too far off pace here, I want to go back to the consumer sediment and economic indicators. Yeah, and before you get there, I want to point out to our listeners, this episode is sort of exactly what we mean by looking into the mechanics and details that drive market behavior and performance. Everyone can read the major headline. and We all know if you tried to generate value based on information from that headline, the markets have already priced it in and you're most likely too late. But what we want to get at here is being able to not only read the major headline, but work all the way down to an idea for how to capitalize based on the relationship between the inner workings of the markets. Definitely. So, for example, I think it was two weeks ago, the Consumer Sediment Index came back higher than expected at 63.9. And I think this is the reason the Fed is saying two more rate hikes later this year, that everyone's been waiting for the consumer to fall apart, right? But they still show optimism in these indicators. And so it kind of becomes a worry that you might see continued inflation or deflation, um, which we haven't seen. But just for an example, uh, in periods where inflation has been high, people will buy now because they know the dollar is going to be less valuable in the future. And so they keep buying and keep driving up those prices. And I think this is where people started to get worried about a no landing scenario. But if you look at Japan or places where there's lots of deflation, the consumers defer the buying because they know those goods are going to be cheaper in the future, therefore driving more deflation. Now, it's not always the case, but it's something to be discussed here as a possibility to gauge the state of inflation and the Fed, the same effect for companies and investors. And so I think this is where really I see the behavior of consumers driving market behavior. 
definitely an interesting point, and we're starting to see the ramifications of consumer behavior's effect on the broader markets. But, Mickey, is there a specific sector that you've been watching to sort of tie this together? Absolutely. When I'm looking at behaviors of consumers and enterprises, a lot of their behavior influences the decisions they make. And so where does a lot of decision-making go into across all companies, no matter the specific industry, is supply chains. And so I think of shipping, logistics, and things along that line. And when I look at the behaviors and decisions driving not only the supply chains, but also the financial markets as a result of those supply chain performance, I think that the crossroads between those two of supply chains and financial markets, I think immediately at Forex, right? Forex rates have an astronomical effect on supply chain decisions. How do companies diversify imports and exports among different countries to minimize the risk of Forex fluctuations? I'll get back to that in a second, but also how do hedges and financial markets play out? Can we predict the direction of futures contracts based on supply chain data and supply chain behaviors. For example, if companies are doing less trade with a certain country or more trade with a certain country, essentially shifting their weightings of the amount they trade with those other countries, can we use that information, if we can get our hands on it, to predict the movements of future contracts for certain commodities? And that's essentially the thesis of how behaviors and decisions by humans, enterprises, consumers can all shift financial markets and performance. Exactly. And this is a perfect example of what I was alluding to earlier. The value is in the inner workings of the markets and every sector and asset class is connected in some way. Exactly. And I can go back to my point um, about why companies need to account for Forex risk and why this is kind of interesting. Um, And I'll just make up some numbers here, but let's consider an importer in China who buys goods from Los Angeles. Uh, The total cost of the goods, let's say, is 100,000, and their contract says that 30% of that is to be paid in advance on the order date. So at this point, uh, last time I checked, the exchange rate between the the Chinese yuan and the U.S. dollar uh, was 1 to 15. So one Chinese yuan is worth 15 cents in USD. And so during the 10-day transit, um, the yuan decreases by 3%, let's say, relative to the U.S. dollar. So by the time of arrival of those goods, the exchange rate was 1.3 yuan to 15 cents USD, just keeping it simple here. Um, So the importer has to pay the remaining balance, 70,000, because remember they paid the 30,000 at the order date per their contract. Um, so that 70000 now costs so much more than it would have if they had paid it at the same time of the 30000 just because of the small fluctuation in the Forex between the order and the arrival date. And kind of staying out of the weeds here, um, you can use future contracts and contracts to prevent this, the unpredictability of these Forex rates are so high. And this is really huge because the fear of these rate changes and the psychology that goes into hedging choices and operational choices, if felt by a big enough demographic, which 
is why I started with the example of the consumer in a recession can really move markets. And so if all companies are struggling with predicting Forex um, in times of volatility, I think that fear will drive the behavior that we see in futures contracts for certain commodities. Yes, and I think what you mentioned about supply chains and the complexity, the ins and outs of them is perfect. There's a lot of puzzle piecing you did to look at this, and that's sort of the goal of the podcast is to be able to encourage our listeners to do that same sort of puzzle piecing with their own investments. But like Mickey was saying, there's certainly a lot of behaviors that can move the needle for a stock, especially with supply chains. Another example I can think of is the relationship between supply chains and political behavior. How does the behavior of politicians affect the decisions made on the supply chain fronts? And in turn, how does that affect the financial markets and futures? But to close this off, I do want to say I think there's definitely a lot of value in understanding consumer psychology and behavior. But it's important to remember that this can be speculative sometimes, right? Especially without concrete data points to show how a big investor base is feeling and if that feeling is strong enough to make a real impact on the markets. Also with institutional investors and companies themselves. But it's certainly an important concept to grasp and something that financial advisors have to do really consistently to have a firm understanding and generate value over time with their portfolios. But I'm going to leave it there for this time. Thank you all for listening. I highly encourage you all to take a look at some of the reports we've put out on LinkedIn. You can also find them on our website, lashifraypartners.com. Be sure to download the podcast and follow the company LinkedIn page to stay up to date with all our latest market commentary. But with that, we'll see you all next week. Thanks a lot. This material is published solely for informational purposes and may not be copied or recreated in any way. This podcast is not an offer to buy or sell any investment product and takes no liability for being incorrect about events that may occur within the markets. Remember that the financial markets are subject to change and past performance is not an indicator of future results. It is important to conduct your own research and carefully evaluate any financial decision prior to acting on it. 